Hi, it's Dwyer, gamblersadvisory.com, a free site. Bettingangle.us, a free site. It's October 16th, 2023. <clears throat> Let's talk boxing. Let's talk the lightweight division in boxing. But first remember, the opinion you should follow should be your own. Just consider this video to be a second opinion from a complete stranger online. Now, let me just share my philosophy on not just sports, but on life, right? In certain areas, right? The time to bet is before the event is even announced. You want to be ready. You want to have a macro. You want to have a picture of the world in your head. So when you hear certain news, you can act quickly, right? So what I found is, um, let's take some recent football games. You know, Pat Mahomes and the Kansas City Chief offense really didn't look that good their last game, did they? Right? We're finding out now that Kansas City is really a very good defense, that sometimes saves an inconsistent offense, right? They just don't have the wide receivers anymore, right? They're relying on Travis Kelsey. Now, you know that now, unless Sky Moore or some other wide receiver blows up in the future, right? You'll know that come playoff time. So you'll be able to make adjustments, Right now, the media story is Pat Mahomes. You turn on the TV, he is a great quarterback. You turn on the TV and you're seeing, you know, State Farm ads and all these other ads with Pat Mahomes, right? And you're hearing about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and how Kansas City is an event, right? But you know in your heart, even with Andy Reid still as head coach, this offense is not what it was. Right? Pacheco is not an A-level running back. Right? Chris Jones, quite frankly, is almost as important to that team as Pat Mahomes is. Yesterday, you had, you see me wearing the jersey. My Giants play the Buffalo Bills. Now, you understand, even though Josh Allen is great, Stephon Diggs is great, um, you understand that that offense <clears throat> can be shut down. <clears throat> you saw them shut down by both New York teams, the Jets before this giant game and the Giants, right? Don't have the giant loss cause amnesia. Giant defense, the same defense you saw get run over in other games, had a formula that slowed down the Bills, Right, Josh Allen is a quarterback who has some bad games. Right, you get that. The WNBA, after game one, when the Aces look magnificent, I suggested to people that they put money in a video watched by less than 100 people. I understand the WNBA is not a uh, public interest bonanza. Just understand that's where you make your money, on the edges, not on the games everyone is handicapping, right? I suggested here online that people put money 
on the New York Liberty, right, on a futures to win the series as a hedge. Not because I think the Liberty are going to win, right? The Aces still have, you know, another game in Las Vegas, right? But because I said in the video that I didn't think either of these teams were going to win three games in a row, that the series was too competitive. And of course, the Liberty won game three. Right now, the open question is whether the Liberty are going to win game four, force this back to Vegas, right? You see betting patterns before they arrive. Now, I was watching the Jeanne-Bet Galtieri fight, and they had Keyshawn Davis, lightweight, 135, on the undercard. Right. And Timothy Bradley, who with Bernardo Osuna are one of the best broadcasting teams out there. If you want a broadcasting team that's going to be critical of fighters, even when they're winning fights. I encourage you to look at Bradley and Osuna. They're excellent together. Right. Those two guys really should stay together in boxing for years because they're a big credit to the sport. But from time to time, you're going to disagree with one or the other. Keyshawn Davis looked great. Simply put, although he doesn't have a belt, he's one of boxing's best counterpunchers. Right? He's excellent. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say he's excellent, I don't consider him to be Mayweather or Janabek level. In other words, Keyshawn Davis moves too much, has to work too hard. He can't throw the car in neutral and just dominate, right? In other words, you know how Floyd would get in a rhythm. Floyd Arturo Gotti, I encourage people to look at that fight, where Floyd understands he's faster than Gotti, who's a Hall of Famer. Floyd understands that he can stand pretty much in front of Gotti throw a couple of shots, cover up, throw a couple of shots, cover up. Floyd doesn't have to move around the ring, didn't have to work that hard. Right, Janabek against Galtieri is able to set up shop pretty much right in front of Galtieri. Right, Galtieri, fast hands, fast fighter. But you understood Janabek could kick it into neutral and still dominate the fight without tiring himself out. Keyshawn Davis, as good as he is, and he's excellent, folks. He's excellent. But Keyshawn Davis is a guy who has to work, right? He can't kick it in neutral, right? Jili Zhang can kick it in neutral. He can be in front of you. He can be pulverizing you with that straight left without overexerting himself, right? Then, depending on what you do, he might throw a right hook. He might throw a left hand to the body. Right, but he's not running around the ring. Even though he did get tired in that Jerry Forrest fight, we have to mention that, right? So let me just say, Timothy Bradley said that he thought Keyshawn Davis was going to be the second best fighter in the sport pound for pound. Now Keyshawn is one thirty-fiver. He's a lightweight. He'll be in this conversation. He thought the first at one thirty-five. In fact. He thought the guy who would be the best pound for pound in the sport was Shakur Stevenson, another guy at 135. 
right now, Shakur Stevenson, excellent fighter, right? Understand <clears throat> what I have to say here should not be construed as me saying that either Stevenson or Keyshawn Davis is not a superb fighter. These guys are elites, right? Keyshawn Davis in different divisions would be champ. But here's what I want to say before some major fights are made here at 135. 135 is a jump ball. In other words, when you think of 135 and you think of the possibilities, I believe that this is a division where you need to realize that the water is so deep that you're going to have live underdogs against many of the fighters. In other words, my predisposition would be to take underdogs in big fights at 135. And depending on the fighters, then to figure out how to hedge it in such a way that I can cover any losses that I incur, make a profit, or perhaps hedge in a creative way where I'm covered on both sides of the bet. So let's ask a foundational question here. And I mean this, right? I'll name some guys who arguably over the last, let's say 20 years, 25 years, have been considered for a stretch as the best fighter in the sport pound for pound. Understand too, I'm going to uh, not consider heavyweights because the pound for pound list was really created for non-heavyweights. The idea was that the heavyweight champion drowns out the room to such an extent that we want to give oxygen to people outside the heavyweight division, right? So you heard me mention Floyd Mayweather, right? There's a stretch where Floyd, who called himself TBF, right? Excuse me, TBE, the best ever, right? Where Floyd was arguably the best in the sport, pound for pound, right? You had another group, the Manny Pacquiao group, who thought that Pacquiao was the best in the sport pound for pound. Understand how good Floyd and Pacquiao were, right? Floyd jumps up in weight to fight Hall of Famer. Folks, he was a great fighter. Oscar De La Hoya, right? De La Hoya's biggest enemy, by the way, was De La Hoya himself, right? If young Oscar decided that he was going to always stay in shape, wasn't going to chase young models, wasn't out running the streets, right? And by the way, he wasn't alone. There are several greats, trust me. There are several greats in this sport who were out running the streets. My favorite athlete, um, Jack Johnson was running the streets, right? Had Oscar had the attitude of Bernard Hopkins or Evander Holyfield, right? Um, Oscar could have kept it going a lot longer. He was that far ahead of everyone. You knew, in my opinion, that he was going to beat Chavez before that fight happened, right? Understand, Floyd went up to Oscar's weight class. Floyd was outweighed by several pounds. 
and he beat Oscar. Understand, Antonio Margarito was rarely outslugged in matches. Sure, Shane Mosley beat him when he was found with plaster of Paris in his gloves during the rap. But understand, you rarely saw Antonio Margarito get out slugged from in the pocket. Prime Mikel Cotto could not beat Antonio Margarito that first fight. Manny Pacquiao did. Right? Roy Jones. I'm just telling people Jones hits a part in his career where he's beating Hall of Famers, Virgil Hill, Mike McCallum, right? Jones, you know, I'm not sure if I've seen a guy who was pound for pound who then starts fighting, granted, they were a little bit past their prime, KG Vets, right? McCallum's prime and Virgil Hill's prime were, were a little bit, you know, younger, a few years earlier. But Jones, as the best in the sport, pound for pound, pushed himself. This is like, you know, some guy fighting Evander Holyfield, you know, just a few years after Holyfield, you know, ruled the rules. So Riddick Bowe, right? And Jones was dominant. Right? Canelo. You know, Canelo, let's face it. Canelo's victory over Danny Jacobs was an eye-opener. Right? Jacobs could not hit Canelo flush in the head. Then a thing that Canelo after that, after Canelo shows you who he is, right? Outboxes Danny Jacobs. The fact that Canelo would show up in a division with multiple champions who were unbeaten and take down... <laughs> take them down one after the other, is just jaw-dropping, right? That's what Canelo did. But let's remember, Canelo has a punch. Canelo stops Billy Joe Saunders, doesn't he? He stops Caleb Plant, doesn't he? He has Callum Smith on his back foot in a way where we're uncertain whether Callum Smith of 175 is going to be on his back foot when he fights Paterbia of his next fight. And, of course, to top it off, Canelo goes to 175 and beats Kovalev, who, let's be clear here, I personally feel Kovalev beat Andre Ward the first fight. Right? Kovalev beat Anthony Yard. Right? Kovalev was a guy who could deal with high-level talent and beat that talent. Now, the question here, and I understand, Shakur Stevenson Great fighter. Can you be the best in the sport pound for pound without a big punch? Without the kind of punch that can drop a guy, right? Floyd's left hook, people need to understand, that's an A-level punch. Canelo's left hook, that's an A-level punch. Roy Jones's left hook, A-level punch, right? Just understand that, you know, in fact, Oscars, 45, left 45, that's an A-level punch. These guys could hurt you. Is Shakur Stevenson that level of puncher? In fact, 
Let's talk about how deep the water is. Keyshawn Davis, let me just say this. Lost the last couple of rounds to Albright, his last opponent. Keyshawn has been known to have some stomach issues, right? He's hired a nutritional guy to help him with his stomach issues. He has to move around a bit and he can get distracted. He got caught with some pretty good right hands late in his recent fight against Albright. Right? Major talent, major counterpuncher. But if an opponent cuts down on the volume, gives him less to counter, and is able to read the angles and set up shop where he doesn't have to move a lot, right? Mayweather in some fights. How would Keyshawn fare? Right? Let me also uh, point out, too, the puncher at 135 is neither Keyshawn Davis nor Shakur Stevenson. We all know that the puncher at 135, and he's one of boxing's most interesting people because he's not chasing titles. He's chasing dollars. He's had titles in the past. He's decided now, hey, brother needs to get paid. And this is as an unbeaten fighter. Right? The puncher in the division is Gravante Davis. Right now, Gravante unbeaten, just like Davis, Keyshawn, just like Shakur Stevenson. Right? Gravante wants to get paid. He doesn't want to fight unknown prospects. He'd rather fight the Ryan Garcias of the world. Right? Garcia's not in this conversation because, let's face it, even though he fights Davis at 136, that was Davis being exploitative during negotiations. Right? Ryan is really a 140 guy, if not 147. Right? Just looking at the height and the body type. So let me say this. Let's say Keyshawn is fighting Gervonta. Right now, that's an interesting fight. The question is, and Gervonta can hit you to the body, right? Is it possible? And Keyshawn's a better boxer. Let's make hard decisions here. We're not going to run away from that. Keyshawn's the better boxer. I would say Keyshawn is actually the more developed fighter. But this is boxing. It's rock, paper, scissors. Gervonta Davis is the bigger puncher. Right? He just simply is. Um, in that fight, the public doesn't know Keyshawn like it knows Gervonta. So Gervonta would be the favorite. Keyshawn would be the underdog. To me, Keyshawn would be the betting side of the play because you could see a scenario where Keyshawn outboxes Gervonta Davis like Mario Barrios was doing before Davis stepped on the gas and got the stoppage. Right? The hedge ideally would be that the fight doesn't go the distance. Right? If the casino gives you a high enough over-under, then you can be even more high risk.
and just take the under as a hedge. Right? The same could be said about Gervonta Davis against Shakur Stevenson. Now, let me pivot here. Understand, I'm just talking about lefties here. Right? Here's a secret people need to consider. Lefties would rather be facing righties. They want to exploit the righties' lack of familiarity with them. A lefty against a lefty is strange for lefties. So, in my opinion, before any of these fights are announced, you have a high degree of variance, very high degree of variance, in a Gervonta Davis, Shakur Stevenson fight, because it's southpaw, southpaw. Right now, it's interesting because Shakur Stevenson is not the kind of guy, even though he has blistering hand speed, even though I think he beats Lomachenko, right? Stevenson's not the kind of speedster who comes looking for you, right? You know the fast guy who knows he's faster than you and who comes in and who's going to throw a lot of quick punches, Shane Mosley. Right? Wants it in the pocket. Because he feels in the pocket, he can throw three punches to every two that you throw. Right? That's not Shakur Stevenson. Shakur Stevenson is a guy who's comfortable just being in the pocket. He'll even take a step back. He's not that much front foot. Right? Now, the question is whether that works if Gervonta Davis decides he's going to be front foot. Right? That fight would be what I call an odds play. Right? You could see Davis blowing out Shakur Stevenson, saying, you know what? I'm going to walk through your shots. Right? I'm going to stiffen my neck. I'm going to bob and weave a little bit, although that's not Gervonta's game. And I'm going to try to walk through your shots to land my shots. Now, Stevenson is a master, I mean a master, at accuracy, especially when you try to crowd him. Stevenson can shorten punches and can hurt you. So I would say Gervonta Davis-Stevenson is a fight that could, well, not go the distance. I'm not sure how the market would value that fight in terms of who the betting favorite would be. Right? That's unclear. Right, but understand, part of your betting portfolio for that fight, for that fight, would have to be that the fight doesn't go the distance. If it goes the distance, chances are Stevenson wins it. Right, but it might well not go the distance. Because Davis understands that Stevenson is a slick boxer who judges love, who rarely loses a round. And Gravante would need to step on the gas to take him out. Let's talk about some more names. Lomachenko is a wild card, right? Lomachenko is still fast, still has stamina, although I do believe he lost to Devin Haney. I do think Lomachenko would have a problem against Shakur Stevenson, right? Because Stevenson is as fast as Loma, 
I don't believe Stevenson is as developed as Loma because Loma can shift, right? Loma can actually be front foot heavy. Loma can be righty or lefty, right? Loma can deliberately be high volume, right? Stevenson is not a Teofimo Lopez who can make size an issue, who can go front foot against Loma. Right, but Stevenson is so damn accurate, he's so fast, his timing is so crisp, and he's so much younger that I think he would do better against Loma than did Devin Haney. Right, but the big question here is Loma against Gervonta Davis. Right, Mario Barrios was outboxing Gervonta Davis. And Barrios isn't that great a boxer. Right? Mario Barrios is bent forward. He's not a guy who uses height. Mario Barrios doesn't think about trying to hide himself. Loma would. Right? The problem, though, is could Loma avoid Gervonta Davis's punch for 12 rounds? I would expect Gervonta Davis to be the favorite in part because he's the much younger guy He's the heavier puncher. The public loves him. He is the cash cow in the division. Right? But just understand, that's an intriguing fight. I would expect Loma to win the fight if it went the distance. If there's a stoppage, I would expect Gervonta Davis to get the stoppage. Let's throw in two other names here. They need to be thrown in. Frank Martin, right? Now, let me just say, Frank Martin has a unique skill, right? He can be in the pocket and he can bend. He's like what Von Miller, the Buffalo Bills Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame defensive great is like. He can bend at odd angles and can fight you from in the pocket while dodging your shots, right? I mean, he's able to dodge the shots with his full body. I believe this guy's underrated. I understand the Shakur Stevenson people are upset that he didn't agree to fight Stevenson, but that's the problem with the division, isn't it? Guys can be avoided because they're not bringing with them big paper like Gervonta Davis is. And Davis is real smart because he understands that titles come with handcuffs, right? If you're the title holder, they start to tell you, hey, player, uh, it's been a year. You need to fight our mandatory. You actually have to pay attention to who mandatories are. You don't get to just pick Ryan Garcia because you know the public wants that fight. Davis, by not having a title, isn't beholden to sanctioning bodies. So he gets to pick and choose, right? I believe, and no one's talking about it. I believe at 135, you have a bunch of guys standing around hoping Davis picks them. Davis understands. He'll get big paydays, but why would he fight Keyshawn Davis when people don't know who Keyshawn Davis is? I believe Frank Martin understood that because he's pocket-centric, 
Shakur Stevenson would be a tough matchup for him because Stevenson is that fast and that accurate. I believe the Martin people understand that there are enough other guys at 135 who could get Martin a big payday. But let me just say this. People need to understand. Martin is championship level, right? He just wants to protect his career right now unless it's a good style matchup for him and he's getting the money that he wants. Let's name another fighter and this guy's the wild card. Emmanuel Navarrete. Now, the reason he's a wild card is because you have some very well-schooled, very precise fighters in the division. Right, Stevenson. Uh, Keyshawn Davis. Right, Frank Martin. By the way, all lefties. Right? Pay attention to the left-handed dominance in the division. Gervonta Davis, lefty. Lomachenko, lefty. This is a left-handed division right now, right? Navarrete is right-handed. Navarrete is like Deontay Wilder. Not in terms of having the big straight right hand, but in terms of being unorthodox. And I'm just telling you that the unorthodox guys are dangerous. The flaws make the diamond. Because orthodox guys are trying to read orthodox cues. And they won't be able to believe how unorthodox Navarrete's feet are, Navarrete's punch pattern is, Navarrete's volume is, right? Navarrete's punch path. Navarrete throws punches on a loop. Right, so where it becomes interesting, because Navarrete has some pop, is Navarrete can look incredibly bad. Look at the fight before his last fight, where Navarrete gets dropped. Navarrete can look incredibly bad. Or Navarrete can have the opponent looking incredibly bad. Now, I would expect Navarrete to eventually get stopped by Gervonta Davis. But let's just say... That's a shootout. In other words, Davis, who likes to cruise, right? Davis can cruise, right? More so than Keyshawn Davis, right? Gervonta Davis can cruise, right? Just understand, Davis would come out, and while Davis might be cruising like he was against Mario Barrios in a fight he was losing, he wouldn't have that option against Navarrete. Because Navarrete would be the kind of guy, even when he comes up in weight to 135, who forces you to fight. Because Navarrete is throwing punches. He's throwing high volume. So the question would be, could Navarrete throw high volume against, let's say, a Shakur Stevenson? Enough where the judges get lulled into voting for the volume. In a fight where Navarrete is daring Stevenson to show that he has knockout power. Understand, Oscar Valdez stops Miguel Bercho. Right? He's throwing heavy punches against Navarrete, who did not go anywhere. 
who blew up Oscar's eye. Right now, the thing with the guy coming up to a new weight class is, okay, sure, the punchers in that weight class might have an advantage. So Gravante Davis might be too hard hitting for Navarrete if Davis isn't overwhelmed by the volume. By the way, that fight would be a cash cow. One could imagine communities coming out to see Davis against Navarrete, right? You know, understand the Latino community already feels that Isaac Cruz pushed Gravante Davis to the limit. So they feel Davis is vulnerable. And here would be a guy who you know is going to test that vulnerability. Right? Trust me when I say Emmanuel Navarrete is not going to be moving and not fighting like Jamel Charlo did against Canelo. Right? He's going to enter the ring. He's going to come in the pocket against Gervonta Davis. That's a cash cow fight. The question is, if he fights Shakur Stevenson, who does not have the big punch, right? As Timothy Bradley points out, Timothy Bradley, who believes in Shakur Stevenson, didn't have the big punch himself, right? Just food for thought. Understand, Timothy Bradley in his prime beat guys like Devin Alexander, right? He was awarded a decision in a fight I thought he won. I understand most of the public did not against Manny Pacquiao, right? Timothy Bradley talks about how he didn't have a big punch, but yet Timothy Bradley now, of course, is in the Hall of Fame, right? So Bradley loves Shakur Stevenson. I'm just telling you, there's another part of a boxing community that believes that if you can't hit, then you can't be it, the best in the sport pound for pound. Right? So Navarrete against Stevenson, I'm guessing Navarrete would have the volume advantage. Navarrete against Lomachenko, who doesn't have a big punch. Can a guy in his mid-30s deal with Navarrete's volume? Folks, it's unclear. Right? It's unclear. Let me say this, too. Lefties want to fight righties. Navarrete's a righty. Uh, but, wow, he's a strange kind of righty, isn't he? So the bottom line is this. At 135, I know in the media they have a clear order. Shakur Stevenson is really on many people's short list as being the best in the sport pound for pound. Bob Arum openly talks about how he doesn't believe anybody can beat Shakur Stevenson. Right? Stevenson calls out people like Navarrete, like Devin Haney, right? And let's just say the phone doesn't ring back, although Navarrete's on, I believe, Stevenson's next card. Right? My point to you is, as a gambler, you don't need to know who's going to win these fights. Right? You just have to know the range and the fight styles. Southpaw against Southpaw, they don't like it. The Southpaw wants to be different. They don't want to fight lefties. Right? Let me just say at heavyweight, and this is intriguing to me, 
Gili Jang Southpaw wants to fight Luis Ortiz. Southpaw, if that happens, folks, who knows what's going to happen? Right? You saw Luis Ortiz against Charles Martin, Southpaw against Southpaw. Folks, both of those guys hit the canvas. Right? So I'm just telling you, Southpaws against Southpaws, there's more variance than your average fight. Also, Gravante Davis against master boxers, Loma, Shakur Stevenson. I'm just telling you, Davis doesn't believe they can hurt him. I'm just telling you, Navarrete, who got dropped two fights ago, is going to fight anybody at 135 as if he doesn't feel he can get hurt. So here, when you have water this deep in a division, Lomachenko, Shakur Stevenson, Gervonta Davis, Frank Martin, Keyshawn Davis, who can counter as good as anyone else in this division, by the way. Keyshawn Davis, who would certainly be an underdog, in my opinion, against the others. Maybe not Frank Martin, but the others. And when you have a wild card like Emmanuel Navarrete, who's fighting Robeson Conceso in his next fight, and Conceso, of course, won a gold medal at the Olympics, I'll be the Casino's Huckleberry. I'll be playing the odds. If I get better than a plus 130 on any of these guys, that's whoever they're fighting in this group of five, that's the side of the bet I'm going to be on. Right? If they're fighting Gervonta Davis, well, the under might hit. I would bet that the fight doesn't go the distance. Because I believe Davis would try to end it early because he understands he's either dealing with excessive volume with Navarrete or he's dealing with surgical boxing, which, of course, Stevenson, Keyshawn, right, Frank Martin, right? So I believe Gravante Davis would say, okay, I need to step on the gas here, right? He's not fighting Ryan Garcia, who was front foot against Gravante Davis. Let's give Garcia that. In other words... Garcia was in Gravante Davis's face trying to land his left hook. Right here, I think Davis understands he would have to go hunting. Right, so 135, folks, is open if any of these guys, because the skill level's too high, is fighting Shakur Stevenson. I would expect Stevenson to be the favorite, but I would expect the fight to go over. Because Stevenson is best when you try to come after him. And Stevenson is able to counter you, flash hand speed, show you accuracy. And then start teeing off at the end of combinations. So lightweight, folks, to me, is a gambler's paradise. This doesn't have the one guy who has a stranglehold on the division. Everyone's at risk here. But yet the public thinks it's clear-cut. They think it's Stevenson, Gervonta Davis, and everyone else. So you're going to get favorites. When you know the underdog, Keyshawn Davis, Frank Martin, Emmanuel Navarrete, is dangerous. Let me just say, too, Navarrete, I think, would 
probably get stopped by Stevenson. But it's an open question. Because while Ryan Garcia was front foot against Stevenson, Garcia wasn't high volume front foot against Stevenson. Garcia believes in his left hook was trying to land it. Right, Navarrete would come in with both hands. Right, you'd be surprised how some of these bully types, some of these big puncher types, will have problems when they're the ones being pursued in fights. Anyway, that's how I see it. I think 135 is wide open. I think it's one of the deepest divisions in boxing. I think the public has a pecking order in their mind that might not hold true in the ring. Even if it does, as long as you know that Gervonta Davis is likely to win by knockout, or Shakur Stevenson is likely to win by decision, as long as you know the manner of victory, you can play ball, right? You can hedge the bet by picking the favorite with a manner of victory that makes the odds doable. While, of course, having action on the other side of the play, and let's be clear, the other side of the play would be someone dangerous. Frank Martin, Keisha Davis, <laughs> Emmanuel Navarrete, Vasily Lomachenko. That's how I see it. Let me hear from you. If you feel Loma would be the favorite against Shakur Stevenson, if you think Stevenson can stop these other guys, right? If you think Davis, who to me faded against Albright last couple of rounds, uh, and when you hear about a fighter having stomach problems, where do you think punchers like Gervonta Davis are going to target, right? If you feel that Keyshawn Davis quietly, who is unbeaten, is actually the best in the division, if you feel Frank Martin is, and understand, Frank Martin is trained by Derek James, AJ's trainer, right? Errol Spence's trainer. In other words, folks, the stakes at 135 couldn't be higher. Tell us about it in the comment section of this YouTube video. Let me say, too, if you feel I'm missing someone, if you feel Pitbull Cruz belongs in the conversation, or somebody else, Tell us about it in the comment section of this YouTube video. Thanks for stopping by.